Acts chapter 24, I don't want to take my preaching time tonight. Acts 24, and we're going to look at verse number 22. When you have it tonight, say amen. It's on the screen for those of you who uh, have it. Uh, listen, I'm just going to be completely 100% honest, transparent for you. If you go to the app tonight and you pull up the notes, you are getting the cliff note version, okay? Pastor has been, remember, have you ever played Mario, the original Mario, you hold the turbo button down? I already run fast, but man, I was running this week, so... I've got more notes than you have, so just I can put them on there later. I just didn't have time to type them all. So that means you got to listen extra careful tonight. Acts 24, verse number 22. We're going to read through verse 27. Here's what it says. It says, but when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Alicia the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. And so he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for him or to visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid, and he answered, Go away for now, for when I have a more convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul, like, you know, uh, uh, bond money or bail money, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you would speak to our heart, give us ears to hear. Give us revelation as we look at this passage. Lord, I know that it's just a, a, a historical account of events that happened many, many years ago. But Lord, the word, all of it is available for reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness and doctrine. And so tonight, I know that there's something in these verses that you have for us. And so tonight, Lord, let us not leave here with it falling on deaf ears. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you from this passage, from the subject, seizing the moment, seizing the moment. If you want to subtitle this teaching tonight, you can subtitle it, Making the Most of Every Opportunity. Making the Most of Every Opportunity. There have been some people, philosophers in life, who have said that some opportunities only come once in a lifetime. So when opportunity knocks, you take the opportunity. And what we've been studying over the last few weeks, really it's been months now, as we've started at Acts chapter 1, and we've been working our way down through the um, history book of the early church, what we find is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the birth and empowerment of the church, people saved, disciples launched, the church persecuted, believers killed for their and then the Apostle Paul leading the charge on the missionary journeys, taking the gospel into places in the known world of that time who had never heard the name of Jesus before. So Paul is a trailblazer. He is literally blazing the path, planting churches that have a great significance throughout history. In fact, I want to tell you, many of you know this, but I want you to think about it tonight. Paul's life was so significant to the establishing of the early church that I want you to hear this very plainly. 
If Paul's accounts, nor Paul's revelations, nor Paul's historical journeys were recorded, were not recorded, we would not have much of a New Testament outside of the four Gospels. You know, uh, Luke, the physician, wrote the book of Acts, and aside from um, Jude and a couple of little books like that, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, you, you name it. You start going down the books of the New Testament and Paul's um, uh, inspiration through the Holy Spirit is passed down even through Corinthians and others. And it's because of Paul's impact that we have a lot of what we have today and hold it as precious concerning the Scripture. And so what we've seen over the last few weeks specifically is Paul's call causes him to go into the most difficult of places. I have spent week after week plowing into the ground, trying to talk to you tonight to tell you that if many of us had to go through what Paul went through, most of us in this room would have quit. We would have turned our back. We would have said, Jesus, we didn't sign up for the whipping. We didn't sign up for the scourging. We didn't sign up for the forsaking. In fact, as our minister said, Last night, so many people quit for so much less. But Paul was a firebrand. He was one called, born out of due season. Paul did not find the Lord. You understand that. I hear people all the time, and it's very funny how we word things. People get saved. They say, I found the Lord. He wasn't lost. You were. When I got called to preach, I was asleep and minding my own business. I wasn't looking to be a preacher. The Lord found me. And the Lord found Paul on a street called Straight, on, a, on, a, on the back of an animal. And a light shined from heaven, struck him blind, knocked him on his face, caused him to have some temporary blindness. And God called him, commissioned him to be an apostle, filled him with the Holy Spirit. This man went from being a terrorist to being a mighty warrior in the hands of God. God took the zeal of the old, turned it into the new. He took all of the tenacity, all of the fearlessness, everything that Paul had in his hands from his past, God used it for his glory. Now that ought to be shouting ground for some of us tonight because God can use some of the very things that he brought you out of, not the sinful things, but some of the, the, the demeanors, some of the emotional things, some of the things that are salvageable. God can use those to further his kingdom. For instance, me, I used to talk in class all the time. Now my teacher said, stop talking, you're never going to be anything. Nana, nana, boo, boo, I get paid to talk, Hallelujah. That's funny, isn't it? You can laugh. Actually, that's not even true. I preach for free. It's Monday through Saturday that I get paid for. But that's a whole other sermon in itself. Hallelujah. So, Paul, God greatly used him. Not afraid of the devil. Willing to charge hell with a water pistol. Time after time again, he finds himself in difficult places. Uh, oftentimes we would say between a rock and a hard place. Now, there's an old adage, and I want you to help me with this. You ready? This is audience participation. When life hands you lemons, 
you make lemonade, right? When life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. I want to tell you that that was not Paul's philosophy. Paul was a spiritual entrepreneur. Here was Paul's philosophy. Our philosophy says, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. That wasn't Paul's philosophy. Paul's philosophy was, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade and you sell it to the devil. In other words, Paul said, if you're going to make me have pain, I'm going to stick it to you where it hurts. And Paul seized every opportunity in the good times and the bad times to share his faith for Jesus Christ. And so tonight, we are set up right here. Paul had just gone through all type of difficulties. You understand they misaligned him. They, they misunderstood his ministry, his message. They, they said he was mocking the Jews. He defiled the temple. They brought him before Festus, and he had this initial thing. And then now we're seeing a secondary conversation because Paul had won some favor with Felix. And that brings us to Acts, the 24th chapter tonight, Verse number 22, it says, But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I'll make a decision on your case. In other words, uh, Felix is delaying Paul's judgment. Now, notice this. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty. Do you know that when you're in the will of God, he can even make the crooked places straight. He can make a highway in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. Streams in the desert. I believe that there was a man in the Old Testament, amen, by the name of Joseph, who found himself in Potiphar's house, who God took him from the pit to the palace. And Paul is standing before great men. And now Felix, he's, he's at the point of them wanting to beat him to death to now Felix is saying, take your hands off of him. Let him have his liberty. Oh, and by the way, if his friends come to see him, let them put some money on his commissary. That's modern day translation right there. Felix was hoping That because Paul's friends and Paul's protégés and his disciples as they would come to see him, he was hoping that uh, Paul would offer some money for bail and Paul would get out. But that never happened. So it says, verse 24, And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and he heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid, and he answered, Go away for now, for when I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. And meanwhile, he had also hoped that some money would be given so that Paul might be released. Therefore, he sent for him more often, and he conversed with him. But for two years, everybody say two years. For two years, uh, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and uh, Felix... Uh, After those two years wanting to do do the Jews a favor, he left Paul bound. So he decided not to let Paul loose. But for two years, Paul was working on this guy. We think about it. For two years, he was working on it. He was in jail. 
Not because he robbed a bank, not because he cheated on his taxes, not because he kicked his dog. He was in jail because of Jesus. For doing the right thing. But I want you to notice Paul's boldness in the middle of his trial. See, oftentimes when life hits us where it hurts, we tend to cower down. We have pity parties, black balloons, black frosting on the cake. Come on, black plastic silverware, black tablecloth. The only problem about pity parties are you're the only ones that comes to it. Amen. Nobody likes to come to those. But Paul didn't have a pity party. He turned his captivity into a captive audience. And he took the most of the the hand that was dealt to him and decided to be faithful to God in the middle of the most difficult times in his life. And so I want you to notice the boldness of Paul who now finds this man named Festus who has authority, he has influence to do Paul harm. And yet Paul, every time he sees Festus, this is what Acts 24 is saying. Every time Paul sees him, he's preaching Christ to him. And it's pricking something in his heart. The Bible says that he would draw near to Paul to hear things concerning Christ to him. We see the boldness of Paul. And I want you to look at the audacity of Felix. Because Felix is listening to the message. And here's where I'm getting into the the meat of the message tonight. He's listening to the message. And I love how simple it says right here in verse 25. It says, now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and he answered. Now, pause right there. When the scripture says he was afraid, and he and he answered let me give it to you in a bit of a more modern translation looking at the original language what this basically is saying right here is he came under conviction he was afraid when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 after he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he said you men who crucified the Lord you men you're guilty of this and this Jesus whom you crucified he poured this out the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts that's exactly what Felix began to fall under conviction the only problem is is that he was uh, an influential man but he was not a wise man because here's what he did He said, go away for now, for when there is a more convenient time, I will call for you. Very dangerous. Very dangerous to reject the Lord when he's wooing you. Very dangerous. See, uh, um, help me Jesus, this is not going to be popular, but I just believe what the word says. I don't believe people can just get saved anytime they want to. Pastor, I can't believe you said that. The scripture says no man comes to the Father unless he first draw him. 
Salvation is available to everybody, but the Holy Spirit is involved in the process of drawing. Listen, when a person gives their life to Christ, I'm telling you tonight, it is because and only because the Spirit of God has drawn him through conviction drawn him through the word listen I'm telling you when you feel God convicting you that's why the scripture says today is the day of salvation because you're not promised tomorrow it may not be here life is like a vapor here today gone tomorrow what is a man's life scripture said who says I will do this and I'll do that and tomorrow I will do this thing and the Bible said it's the only time in scripture we see this terminology he said he said we ought to just say if the Lord wills we will do this or that because no man is promised tomorrow Felix had the audacity to push him away tonight although I've talked about Paul and I've talked about Felix I don't want to focus on Paul and Felix in as much as I want to focus on what convicted Felix focus back with me on that verse 25 now as he reasoned about righteousness self-control and the judgment to come Felix was afraid tonight if you're taking notes write this down the first thing in your margin or on a piece of paper or if you're typing it in your phone or whatever write this down number one concerning righteousness concerning righteousness Paul talked about righteousness now we don't have an exact sermon outline based on what Paul preached to him but we do have Paul's letters and these were subjects that Paul covered extensively tonight in the next 15 minutes or so we do not have the time to expound exegetically on every single one of these issues however I want to talk to you a little bit about possibly some of the things that Paul might have talked about concerning righteousness I'm sure that Paul talked to Felix about God's righteousness God's righteousness what is what is righteous mean the word righteous literally means rightness or to be right standing with when we talk about our righteousness we talk about uh, being right standing with God but whenever uh, he began to talk about God's righteousness you've got to understand that the message of righteousness that Paul preached was counterculture to the righteousness of the Judaic system because their righteousness was wrapped up in what they did how well they did it how they kept the law how many steps they took on the Sabbath day how many this how many that all of these things but here's the problem about the law you ready the Bible says in the New Testament, the New Covenant, which is what we're under, because Hebrews tells us the law was just a schoolmaster to point to us our need for a Savior. And Paul's revelation of righteousness that he gives us in the epistles is that on our best day, our righteousness is like a filthy rag. And I don't know if you want me to do a Hebrew word study on filthy rag but it's a feminine product true story 
God said, on your best day, when you think you're so holy, in my eyes, aside from my blood and apart from my son's redemption, you are horrible and you stink in the nostrils of God. But thank God for Jesus. But the problem is, is righteousness apart from the law produces self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. Pastor Shane talked about that Sunday night. Self-sufficiency. Relying on our own strength. Relying on our own abilities. I kept the law. I kept the Sabbath. I gave the tithe. I came to synagogue. I came to the temple. I have not broken the commandments. The only problem is, is that God's way of making man righteous is different than man's way of making himself righteous. Paul began to talk about righteousness. That righteousness, Paul wrote in Romans 3.22, that righteousness only comes through faith in Christ. For all who believe, for all who are sinners, when they call upon the name of the Lord, they are saved. And Christ makes us righteous. Romans 3.24 says, We have been justified by grace through redemption in His blood. Romans 3.25, Paul also wrote, For Christ has made us uh, righteous as a propitiation by His blood. Uh, Romans 3.25 and 26 says, God demonstrated His own righteousness as being both the just and the justifier. Perhaps then Paul's reasoning was about God's righteousness and God's mode of saving us. No wonder why Felix came under conviction. Because as that culture was, people were trusting in their own righteousness. The next thing, number two, we look at concerning self-control. Now this is interesting. Paul never missed an opportunity. His wife, Felix's wife, was Drusilla. History tells us that was his third wife. She was 16 years old. History also tells us that uh, they had um, some adulterous issues that plagued their life. There was scandal. You can read this all throughout history books. That there was all type of scandal concerning their relationship. And Paul knew that. So Paul began to talk about self-control. Can I tell you that not all curse words are four-letter words? We think of curse words being four-letter words. Not all curse words are four-letter words. Can I give you a really big curse word? Sanctification. It's a big word. We don't use it anymore. You know what it really means? Be holy. Live holy. Be set apart. Now, let me stop right here for a moment. Because there almost seems to be a contradiction. And there's not a contradiction. Because the world says, religion says, if you look right, talk right, act right, then you'll be right. So people focus on their outward appearance, how I dress, how I talk, blah, 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 all this stuff. But that's not the gospel, though. Jesus addressed this sitting at the steps of the temple overlooking the Mount of Olives at all of the white 
tombs filled the bones of the Jewish patriarchs. Jesus looked at the Pharisees concerning their own righteousness. And here's what he said as he's pointing as a master illustrator to those tombs at the base of the Mount of Olives. He says, you men are a bunch of whitewashed tombs filled with dead man's bones. You're pretty on the outside, but you're dirty on the inside, full of death and decay. He said, here's what you do. Clean the inside first, and then the outside will be clean. Amen? A lot of times people, they get a touch of religion, and, and we try to say, well, you don't, need to, you don't need to cuss, and you don't need to chew, and you don't need to run with girls who do. Come on, somebody. You don't need to do all these things. And we tell them all of this before they know Jesus. Before they encounter grace, before they encounter the love of God, before they encounter all of these things. And so what happens is they become religious and they look like Christians and they become tares and they look right externally but inside they have had no change. Here's what Jesus was saying concerning self-control and Paul taught it over and over and over again. When a man is in Christ Old things pass away. All things become new. I have never met a person who've encountered the love and the presence and the power of Jesus Christ who ever walked away the same. Seriously. I don't have time to get into my testimony tonight all the way, but when I got saved for real, there are some habits that fell away instantly. There were some desires that fell away instantly. However, there were some things that I had to work on. Slip up, say a bad word, the Lord convicts you. You don't speak like that anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. Your attitude shouldn't be like that. That's unbecoming of a Christian. God is love. I am love. Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. And, and you, you, you get convicted by the Holy Spirit and you're constantly being made in the image of Christ. Self-control. Sanctified living. Why did I say all that? Here's why. Because people think, well, because I'm righteous, God has made me righteous, then I don't really need to live holy because I'm, I'm righteous. That's part of the false grace narrative today. I know a well-known preacher, I won't go into names, it's not important, from Louisiana, who had a string of adulterous affairs that were uncovered. And When he was asked about it, here's what he said, that wasn't me, I'm in Christ. That was my flesh. Modern day Gnosticism. This man has since repented. This man is such repented. Some of y'all listen to him every day on the radio. Don't even know it. But I know it because I know his son. Modern day Gnosticism. But when you have been saved, God calls us to live holy lives. Amen? Jesus said, be holy as I am holy. We don't fix the external. We live from the internal and our external changes. Isn't it amazing that the closer you get to Jesus, the less you want to have garbage in your life? Amen. That's what it is. It's just sanctification. So when Paul began to talk about this, I got off a little topic here and got on my soapbox, but Paul began to talk about this, and Felix began to get under control. 
Why? Because he'd been running around, messing around, sleeping around, whatever. Him and his wife are having issues. And so, anyway, I'm not going to elaborate too much because the Scripture doesn't elaborate too much. But Paul talked about self-control, and it made Felix nervous. By the way, it still has the same effect today. People sometimes forget. You're looking up here at one person, or if people are on the platform, maybe five or six people. I'm looking at like a hundred or so. You should see some faces sometimes. Concerning self-control. Then number three, and I'm getting ready to close. Somebody said, thank God. Early I've got out of church all week. Amen. And I'm not even going to lie. I want to go to bed. So praise the Lord. Number three, concerning We forget. We're laughing, right? But Paul preached all night, and a dude fell out a window and broke his neck. Amen. Eutychus said, I can't take it no more. Bah! And Paul raised him up. And I don't feel the anointing to raise the dead tonight, so I'm going to let you go home. Uh, Concerning judgment. You know what Paul taught? Paul taught Acts 17 when he was speaking to the philosophers of Athens. He said, men ought, ought to repent. God commands all men to repent because we will all stand before the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. Acts 17.31, Paul taught earlier that God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world, right? Acts 17.31, then it continues in Romans chapter 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, all says the same thing. It says that God will judge the world by his son Jesus Christ. Perhaps Paul reasoned that a righteous God will, a righteous God will have to judge mankind for their sins. Then surely he talked about the result of judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul said, Therefore now knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul knew that there was hastening in the day when all men would stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, Paul warned of a flaming fire for those who don't know God nor obey the gospel. Maybe Paul warned that if Felix didn't accept Christ, he would spend eternity damned and lost. Made him nervous. You know what he said? Started fidgeting with his hands. He said, Take him away. And I'll call for him at a more convenient time. I don't know that there's a historical record. If there is, I haven't found it. That Felix ever found another time. But here's what I know, and here's what I wanted to stop on tonight. Paul's reward, okay? You do know we're getting rewards when we get to heaven, right? That's why we need to stop trying to get them down here. For everyone you get down here, you don't get one up there. Tooting your own horn, patting yourself on the back, you, all those things, doing stuff for recognition, there's your reward. But we're getting a reward one day when we stand before him for every soul we've won, for every act of obedience. And we're not just going to take all those rewards and build us a big castle with them. We're going to cast them at his feet. I want to have something to worship him with. So listen, 
concerning the judgment, we don't have any idea if Felix ever gave his life to Christ. But Paul was not responsible for his response. Neither was Paul responsible for any of Felix's actions. Paul was only responsible for seizing the moment. Seizing the moment. I want to close with this one statement, and I want it to haunt you for the rest of this week. How many moments does God set up for us that we miss because we walk in fear? Because some people wouldn't have addressed Felix. Not Paul. He said, I'm in jail. What are you going to do already? I tell Chaplain Weaver all the time, one of the scariest places to, to hang out in is a, is a maximum security or minimum security prison where guys have been in there for 20, 30, 40 years because, I mean, if, if they get in trouble and they're there for another 20, 30 years, I mean, what's really the difference, you know? What you have to lose? Paul didn't really have anything to lose. I'm already here. So he made the most of the opportunity. Here's my commission to you. Close your Bible. Stand on your feet. Let me pray tonight. Here's my commission to each and every one of you. Stop running from divine opportunities. If God puts something in your path, okay? He puts something in your path. He puts someone in your path. Because listen, we can, we can, we can you know... We can look at Felix bad all we want to because Felix said, uh, I'll wait to a more opportune time, but I got news for you. How many of us say that? Well, I'll talk to him later. Talk to him later. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, Lord, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too nervous right now. I, I want to talk to him later. What if the opportunity never comes again? Then for all of eternity, you're going to have wondered what would have happened. If I would have just reached out. What would have just happened if I would have laid my hands on the sick? What would have just happened if I would have just obeyed God? But we miss opportunities when we don't seize the moment. This week, God's going to show you something in your life that is a divine opportunity. And I want you to be bold, and I want you to take it. You say, well, what if they don't accept? They didn't accept right here either. But Paul's reward wasn't based on that. Paul's reward was based on his obedience. And to obey is better than to sacrifice. Amen. Let's pray.